0: Basically, what we're going to be talking about is probably the exact opposite of what I just displayed there. We're going to be closing out our study in Ephesians today, uh, and the topic is Christ-centered unity. You know, uh, the purpose of this message is that, so we're going to be moving on to Philippians. I don't want us as a church to just move on to the book of Philippians and just kind of forget everything that we've been gleaning from ephesians because in ephesians there's life-changing truths and principles and we must implement these truths and these principles on an individual and a corporate scale to be honestly to be worthy of the title of god's church i mean god's church right as ephesians puts it is supposed to reveal the manifold wisdom of god what a high calling when I, many, many weeks ago, when, I, when we started Ephesians, uh, I, I got to introduce the book as well, and uh, what we explored in that message was this theme that runs throughout Ephesians about our, our identity in Christ. And as we close today, I, really I want to talk about practically, so we have this identity in Christ. So much of what Ephesians is about. And then kind of the second half of Ephesians is, man, so what, what do we do? How does that change us? What does that mean for our lives if our identity is truly founded in Christ? And a primary goal, one of God's primary goals with uh, giving us an identity in Christ is that is so that we will have Christ-centered unity. That's one of the primary goals of giving us this identity, is that we'll have this Christ-centered unity. So unity, what, what is unity? I'll give a short definition. Unity is peace in the presence of conflict. You know, it's, it's really easy to be unified when there's no conflict. No matter You don't even really need unity at that point. You're just good. Everything's just good. It's love in the presence of hatred. It's really easy to love when... Once again, you don't have to try. There's, there's nothing to it when everything around you, the people, it's all going so good. Forgiveness in the presence of injury. That's a really challenging aspect of unity, to be able to forgive. And so, when it comes to our unity, I, I think it boils, it boils down to two things. One is our purpose, our unified purpose. What is... The Chippewa Valley Church's unified purpose. And to put it in really short terms, because I'm not going to be diving into this aspect today, it's to bring the kingdom of God. It's to live the life of the age to come, here and now, individually, as a church, and to shine brightly in our community to the world, make disciples, uh, bless our our communities, our neighborhoods, the poor, the oppressed, just a light. That, that's our mission, and I think that, um, well, I think we do a great job <laughs> at being dedicated to that purpose. Uh, the second aspect of unity that I want to talk about today is that's, that is so big when it comes to unity is communication. Communication. Christ-centered communication. And I think that, honestly, guys, we've been doing a phenomenal job. Uh, with this as well, considering everything that's been going around on in, in the culture and the world around us. But I want to remind us today to be on our guard. We need to be on our guard with this. So I have all the faith, all the confidence in the world. I'm like, all, I'm already blown away by you and the unity and the way that we have stuck together through all of this. Uh, but... To be a prophet of doom, the storm is coming, so we need to be on our guard. Okay, so let's jump into the text for today. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, I'm, going to, I'm doing something a little different today. I'm, I'm getting pretty, uh, maybe a little radical. You know, Steve Sandin came here and preached a couple weeks ago, and he, he preached out of the New Living Translation. Whoa. Right, whoa. And so, you know, I learn, I'm humble, and I learn from my elders, and so... I'm, I'm going to one-up Steve. We're going to the message today, the message Bible. Okay, and the reason why I want to do this is because you know, we've, read, we've read the entire book of Ephesians here. We've looked at it in probably a few different translations, and sometimes the message just puts it in a way that's so practical, so understandable. And so I just wanted to look at the text a little bit differently today. So we're going to be in Ephesians. I'm going to turn this on. That would help. Ephesians 2, 14, 15 says this. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. And he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. A fresh start. So we see that the reconciliation between God and man, the cross, one of the things that it does, one of the things that it accomplishes is it's not only does it make peace between us and God, but it makes peace between us and our fellow man. And the principle here, the, the context of Ephesians is way different from, from what we're dealing with today. With, what, what Paul is talking about is you had Jews and non-Jews. And it's interesting because between them, there was centuries, hundreds of years of animosity and suspicion. And now these two groups of people are coming together in, to worship God. That's a, that's, a lot, that's a lot to overcome right there. And honestly, animosity and suspicion are probably, I, w- I would go as far as say a big, almost like a, a marker for our current culture. Like, if, if you just look, like, I, people maybe who li- don't live in America or whatever, and they, and they see the news, and they see social media, like, I mean, that's about all, from those two things alone, I would, th- man, it's a, America is about animosity and suspicion. Um, the, you know, don't do this. I just, sometimes, you know, I go I, on the internet, maybe stop right there, uh, <laughs> And, you know, I look at, art, read articles, or read, and, you know, you start reading the comments. You know, you get in the, the Reddit or the YouTube comments or whatever, okay. Guys, and I did this for a, few, a little bit this week, and it was, it was this article about this, it had to deal, the article was about racism and whatnot, and guys, the, the vitriol and the hatred and the disgust, that people like had, like I know it's just comments, but like I'm, I'm getting a little emotional. Like it was like, dude, this is the world that we live in. Like, I got I got scared honestly. Like, and it's just kind of the nature of the beast a little bit because it's just the nature of clicks and money, and it uh polarization this is what drives the machine this is what drives money the world doesn't really run on goodwill it runs on money so much of the time and what this leads to one of the things that this leads to in a game that we really can't play as a church with one another is moral superiority you know the conservative end of the spectrum claims moral superiority because Judea, you know, just to be extremely general, Judeo-Christian values is, 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 you know, where they stand. So, therefore, morally superior to the other side. And the other side is like, well, wait a second, we actually care about, you know, the poor and the oppressed, so what are you doing? Like, we're, we're morally superior. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Guys, not one of us without the blood of Jesus, could be here today. You know, these, all these, the good thing, there is some good in that we're talking about a lot of these things that we really weren't talking about. But honestly, as we've talked about them more and more, it seems like a lot of these issues have gotten worse. Uh, I, I don't think it's, in terms of a year ago I don't think that between white the white and black communities I don't really think the relationship has gotten better seems like it's gotten worse speaking on a large scale the the relationship between those who see things different politically doesn't really seem like it's gotten better it seems like it's gotten worse rich poor the class division it seems like it's gotten worse Christians non-Christians Man, Christians so condemning of non-Christians. Non-Christians are, what are, you, you guys claim, you know what I'm talking about. But honestly, even more so, even the one that I'm the most concerned about and want to talk to you about today is between Christians and Christians. Has it gotten better or has it gotten worse? And I, the world doesn't have the tools to have to, to work out these, these issues. Gender, race, politics. And we need to be on our guard because our culture is headed in a, in a bad direction and it's going to get worse. You know, what? It, it's, not, it's whatever is coming down the pipe, guys. What if Derek Chauvin gets acquitted? There, might, there could be riots in the streets. What if you know, I don't know, there's COVID, you hear all these variants, they could spike, they could go crazy, it could all be back to isolation, and was, we're so hopeful, man, it's like, we're, you know, you see the horizon, the sun peeking over the horizon, we're almost there. What about the next presidential election? That's it's a couple of years down the road, and they're going to be talking about it earlier and earlier. I don't know, we might, we'll probably be talking about the election two years before it even happens how are we going to respond? How are we going to hold on to the principles of Christ-centered unity in Ephesians? Mom, we have to give one another a fresh start. We have to lean so strongly on the side of grace. I mean, Paul, when he teaches about grace in the Bible, sometimes, <laughs> some people view his teaching, I mean, he, he wrote, you know, half the New Testament, but some people look at his writing sometimes as almost blasphemous because he leans so strongly on the side of grace. It's like, Paul, if somebody actually believed what you're teaching, they wouldn't even have any motivation to be good or to do anything good or godly. Because you're... And obviously that's not what Paul means, but, but that's how hard he leans into grace. we got to lean into grace like that with each other. Let's go ahead and keep reading the next couple verses here. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace. Just, I want to give everyone a reminder, like, just a fun, I I need this, okay? fundamental reminder that when we follow Jesus, when we're disciples, our goal is to, is to walk in his footsteps, right? To be covered in the dust of our rabbi. And guys, the life of Jesus led him to the cross. That's, that was his destiny. That's where he was going. And for us to, to follow Jesus, to walk in his footsteps, to be covered in his dust, means that we're also heading to a cross, and the cross hurts, right? But that cross, that cross, we, we get to exchange that for our crown. It's hard to stay committed to the cross, because the cross is not in your best interests from a worldly perspective. If you pursue the footsteps of Jesus, you might not make as much money as if you followed in someone else's footsteps. You might have more of the things that you want in life if you follow in the footsteps of someone else besides Jesus. It's not in your best interests, But obviously, it is in an eternal perspective to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. But it's so, we just it's so hard to stay committed to that. If our unity is founded on something perishable, our unity will perish. We need to receive one another in the same way that Christ has received us. Let's keep reading. That's plain enough, isn't it? It's pla- I shouldn't have even said anything. It's plain enough. You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it a temple which God is quite at home. Man, I hope that, you know, when God is with us, when we meet and when we worship and when we're, he's always with us. But I hope we make a comfortable home for him where he can come and, you know, when God joins us for worship Sunday mornings, it's like, (sighs) I'm at home. Each, each and every person has the same right to the name Christian as you. Guys, in in the time period, right, the first, second century, there was this animosity. There was persecution between the Jews and the Gentiles. Can you imagine this church? There's people who... The Jews that are now coming into the church, man, maybe they themselves or their family members had beaten, imprisoned, persecuted. They're like the Gentiles' family. Can you imagine trying to worship God with someone who hurts you so personally, caused injury to your children, to your wife, to your husband? That's the gap that That Paul is trying to cross, that the Ephesian Church is trying to cross. And our gap, we can totally cross our gap because I I don't think it's that big. I don't think it's as big as the one they had to cross. You know, so so Christians, right? We 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 see one another's Facebook posts, we see one another's, we talk, and you know, maybe maybe a brother or sister thinks that racism's really not as big of an issue as people are making it out to be, and maybe it's like, are you? Do you have your head under a rock? Like, are you? Are you even a Christian? And maybe a brother or sister thinks everything's about race, and the other brother is just like, are you, everything's about race. Are you even a Christian? Maybe everyone should be uh, forced to wear a mask for the safety and protection of others. Or maybe, you know, if we assess the risk, it really isn't that high. Maybe we should trust God a little bit more. And both sides can look at the other. Are you even a Christian? You, you think... You think that? Christians need to vote or I you know I, it's not it's not the Christian duty to vote in the elections. Vote what you you think Christians have to vote? You think Christians shouldn't vote? What are you a Christian? We just need to stop that. Because everyone has the same right to the name Christian as you. The scripture says that the kingdom of faith is your home country. The kingdom of faith is your home country. It's not not the people who you agree with on social and political issues that you're passionate about. It's the kingdom of faith. Where is your loyalty? Is it with your home country? Or is it with those that you are those that you agree with about political and social issues? We've got to come together. You know, even the the non-Christians are friends with people like them. Right? When you agree with someone on just about everything, it's just friendship's easy. Jesus says this, if you love those who love you, what reward will that get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Guys, Jesus ate. Jesus spent time with people who had a very different lifestyle from his own. Um, He's a sinless man, and... Right? We see him on multiple occasions hanging out with prostitutes. There's not a big of a chasm between Jesus. maybe I'm saying this wrong. there's a bigger chasm between Jesus and a prostitute than you and me than you and you and you and you. And you. Guys, we can cross. We can cross this gap. We can be unified. You know, something that fascinates me is the military. Because I would never be in the military. (laughs) And uh, it's crazy. You go to, I mean, people like being a soldier and, like, going out and risking their life in battle. I'm like, no thank you. No thank you. Okay, but, and I, 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 But the interesting thing about people who've been in the military is, at least most of them, I I can't speak for everybody, but in my experience, they loved it. And they honestly, a lot of times, wish they could go back. Like, you know what, I I miss just that camaraderie and that brotherhood, and there's so much about it that they miss. It's, It's crazy. And I'm trying to figure out what is that all about. And I think it has a lot to do with those who go to war together are the closest. We have to go to war not against one another, but against division and disunity. And if we go to war together against that instead of each other, we'll be fighting in the Lord's army. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the forces of evil. We have to, I mean... We have to remember who the enemy is. It's not Brother Bob or Sister Sally. It's the forces of evil. You know, once you start to hear people's story, uh, this, I, this is just a random example that I thought of, but you know hypothetically speaking, let's just say there's a brother or a sister who, who's really passionate about social programs. And you get to know them a little bit. And it turns out that, after speaking with them about it, that they survived their upbringing because of these social programs. And then you got somebody else who, you know, has a blue-collar upbringing and, you know, thinks you should pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like, and you hear their story, and they had a harsh father who ingrained in them man it, it's it's all about work it's all about productivity and and so obviously you know these these two different people are going to have some different viewpoints on a little political issue like social programs but what happens what happens when we have these conversations when these two people come together and they hear each other's story start to realize that the conversation that they're having, the relationship that they're building, the connection that they're forming is so much more valuable than their own opinion. Amen. Right. So I had a... Uh, I was judgmental towards a, a dear sister of ours. Um, you know, I, I looked at her and... I, I just, just, am just gonna be honest, you know. Like I was kind of like, in my mind, like, oh, oh boy, here another social justice warrior. So I'm talking about Laura Tubwell, by the way, who said I could talk about this. And uh, you know, so I had these these preconceived notions and judgments in my mind, and so you know, I'm from studying. I realized that. Well, of course that's not right um but I realized you know I need to go talk to her so actually, actually i don't even maybe she initiated the conversation. I might have doesn't really matter, so we got together and we we talked about uh, we talked about just different race issues, different political issues for an hour and a half or so, and we definitely did not agree on everything, but we agreed on a lot more than. I thought in my weird judgment zone where I was like, oh great, you know, I just pinned them into that ideology. This is exactly what they think about everything. We actually agreed on a lot more. And you know what? That conversation was awesome. I felt closer to Laura. I felt um, connection. I felt unity. And honestly, now I, I have so much deeper respect for her. Like, if Laura came, if she walked in here right now and said, Eli, give me ten push-ups, I would hit the floor, okay? That's how much respect I have for her. That just wouldn't happen happened without... Without Ephesians, so maybe that's a practical there. Intentionally, one thing that I've been learning through all this the past you know year or so is intentionally seek out people who think differently from you, or who you, th- or who you think think differently from you. Intentionally seek them out, seek their perspective, seek to understand, and that. That's how you learn. You don't learn anything talking to people who just agree with you about everything. What do you, you're, just, you're just recycling. Same ideas. Man, learn. Talk to people who think differently than you. Okay, we're almost done. Ephesians 4, so we're, we're moving to Ephesians 4 now. We'll, I'll, I'll read this passage. We'll talk about some more practicals, and then we will wrap up. Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God and Christ Christ. Forgave you. Amen. So, what we need to do with this is we need to make room for the Spirit. We've got to make room for the Holy Spirit in our relationships and our communication. And one of the ways that we do that is we make a clean break. Absolutely no cutting, backbiting, profane talk. You know, as Midwesterners, we love passive aggressiveness. Oh, it. Cut it. It's, you come in these doors, absolutely none of that. That's the quick, you want the Holy Spirit to flee? Or, I mean, obviously the Holy Spirit doesn't like leave you, but maybe it hides in your pinky toe or something. <laughs> we, we want the Spirit here. Yep. And that's, so we have, to, that's the ground rules. This stuff is not allowed in our Christ-centered communication. So, I have um, one of the ways that that we commit, right, in the unity we commit to communication. Just got five quick uh, things here. Communicate, not conjecture. So, conjecture is when you form an opinion based on incomplete information. And so, a silly example of this is you walk into church and, you know, I'm walking and Jake's looking at me. And I'm like, Okay, Jake, like, dude, and so, you know, then I walk, I just look at him, I don't say anything, I just walk away, and I'm like, why was Jake looking at me, like, what, did I, did, Is it have, yeah, what's his problem, what, dude, I don't know about Jake, honestly, like, I don't know what his deal is, man, he's judging me, so all of a sudden, it's just, if I stay in my own head with that, the rabbit hole, man. So what I what I need to do is, you know, I don't really know how to say it, Jake. I don't really know. How, this is awkward for me. I don't really know how to say this. But you were looking at me when I came into fellowship, and I thought you're, it thought it was kind of weird. Did, was there anything behind that? Are we? No, 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 man. I was happy to see you. You know, like it's hard to have. It's hard. To, uh, my my instinct is no. Go away from that. Go into my own head even when you don't know how to ask, even when you don't know how to approach the conversation. we got to have enough grace with each other that that's okay. Um, caution, not collision course. We need to proceed with caution. Amen. Not be on a collision course. Man, I've got these ideas, and I'm going to just run over anybody who stands in my way because we just need to proceed with caution. It's good. Good to be cautious when we communicate, right? A, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man holds back his tongue. Um, conversation, not clap back. Okay, so that's kind of a, I know, I know that phrase because of, of the teenagers, okay? <laughs> but conversation, right, is where you, you talk and you see and you listen and. You ask follow-up questions, not clap back. Like, oh, you think that? Well, I think this. It's not conversation. And I, I'll, I'll share a... Uh, well, I'll, get, I'll go back to that in just a second. So let's go to the next one. Conviction, not condemnation. Have a conviction. Paul says in Romans, Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Have your conviction. But don't condemn others on your conviction on a disputable matter. You know, an example of this. I feel even weird, kind of sharing this. But my wife and I, we didn't kiss. We didn't even kiss each other till we got married. Our first kiss was our wedding. And you know, we're s- I, I, okay. And I, I, we, we did that. We, I, we made that decision because. By the grace of God, as a 24-year-old, somehow I knew if, if I crossed that line, I just, I can't handle it, purity-wise. Like, I got it. that's how weak I was, and I at least had the self-awareness to, to realize that so we're just, let's just wait. We're not going there. And so that was my conviction. But the unholy other staff couples that we have here, Joel and Christy, Dustin and Stevie kissing and stuff before they got married. How unholy. I know, right? No. Obviously, no. That'd be be awful for me to think that way. Conviction, not condemnation. And so I have a personal conviction about conversation and not clap back that I'm going to share with you. And it's not prescriptive to you, you don't have to do it. I'm going to share it with you. Social media not the place for these conversations. Social media encourages the clapback because you can just type it, leave it, and then so, there's there, there's no uh, interpersonal communication. There's no gesturing. The, so that would be my personal conviction, and I will not condemn you if you still want to use social media. Where am I? Okay, connection not cutting off. Guys, connection. We need connection. If, if you've been, you know, you've been feeling a little isolated, a little lonely, or if you've ever been that way in your life, right? That's like, that's one of the, worst, that's one of the darkest places when you feel alone. We need each other. We need connection and therefore we need one another. And not in a codependent, in a, in, a, in a vulnerable way. I'm just being honest. I need you guys. I would not have the faith that I have if it were not for you. That's just, that's just a fact. It's not worth, it's not worth, don't throw away any, a relationship. Don't throw away something so valuable because of your, because of your opinion about something. All right, guys. Those are the practicals for commitment to communication. Lastly, as we wrap up, I'll share this with you. We are as difficult as this is to to have this kind of Christ-centered unity. It is extremely challenging. At the same time, it's extremely easy. It's simple, hard, and easy all at the same time. Because you, Ephesians 1-3, you have been given every spiritual blessing. Jesus' yoke, is his burden is light. His commands are not burdensome. Guys, you, we, we can have Christ in our unity and, yeah. and shine. This is a way we can shine so brightly in our world right now. And I total faith, total confidence that you guys are up to the task and that we can do this together.